You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Hey, we are in this series that I'll be closing today of, of the Psalms. And obviously we can, we can do 150 weeks of the Psalms, which would be pretty awesome if you think about it. Um, but we really just kind of end this season of Thanksgiving, the season of the harvest, understanding that Psalms uh, in the Hebrew being praises, the book of praises is an opportunity for us to really come look at, at, at the text and draw the life that brings us to a place, listen, of praise, brings us to a place of worship. Um, and after I get into this psalm, it's going to kind of seem a little bit contradictory to what I'm saying right now, but um, I want to just get right into it if that's okay. So Psalm chapter 46. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go to chapter 46. Some of you will know this well. I am going to read it. And we are going to try to unpack all that the Lord would have for us this morning. To look at someone next to you and say, God has something for you this morning. So right off, this, 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 this psalm starts at we're kind of where, where Steve left off last week in Psalm 91. God is our refuge and our strength. God is our refuge, that, that, that dwelling place that we get to run to when, when we are needing safety and, and, and our strength. So in, in our weakness, we know that, that God is strong. So he is our refuge and our strength. Listen to this, a very present help in trouble. How many of you have ever been in trouble? How many of you have ever run to the Lord when you were in trouble? Now, I think, I think it's, it's, we know to run to the Lord in trouble. But how many of us run to the Lord when we've gotten ourselves in trouble? I mean, just think about when, when, when um, kids get in trouble, the last thing they want to do is run, run to their parents, right? And we've, we've tried to teach our kids to the best of our ability, hey, listen, if you do something wrong, you better be the first one to tell us. Like we don't want to hear from the counselor. We don't want to hear from the teachers. You know, we even we don't want to hear from your other siblings. I want you to tell me what happened, um, because this it, we're we're trying to practice this this understanding that there is safety in confession, right? There's safety in confession. There's grace in confession. And so here the psalmist is, is, is starting this way. He's our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, we don't know what trouble the psalmist is in, but just recognizing that many of these psalms were written for temple worship. And what I mean for temple worship, they were written for church. And so these psalms were written, and so as they wrote them, they were given to the, 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 the choir director, the, the director of temple worship, and the temple worshiper uh, or leader would give it to the musicians, they give it to the singers, and say, hey, this is the song that we're going to be singing. And so just, just understand that this is the context of the psalm being brought forward. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear Though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea and though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then there's this word Selah. It's kind of this, this holy pause. And, 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 and honestly, many, many um, scholars still don't absolutely know what Salah means. This is just piecing together from the Hebrew language and the places that it's put in, in these Psalms. It's, it's, this is the best interpretation. It's this holy pause. And so after verse 3, there's this pause. The psalmist is writing about God, the ref, God of refuge, the God of strength, who's, who's present in time of trouble. And then he starts describing some of this trouble. We will not fear, though the earth gives way. How many of you remember the 1987 October 1st earthquake? 
I mean, that's the biggest one I remember, like the early one I remember. I know some of us remember the, the Northridge earthquake, which wasn't quite as, quite as big down here. But man, when that earth trembles, it, 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 its church was full the next Sunday. The next Sunday, I think every church in California was full because when the earth begins to give way, there is only one person we can look to, and that is God. Yeah. Mountains be, though mountains be moved to the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, starts to, to describe like some, some of the things that could happen that would cause us to look to God. And then it switches. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved and God will help her when, when morning dawns Then the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. I mean, if we were ever in a, in a time in history where the nations were, were are raging, it's today. Eli and Monica led, led us in prayer this morning, speaking about just the, the anger and the contempt that humanity is carrying today. I mean, it's on the streets, it's in our communities, it's in the nations. The, the nations are raging, not only against each other, but against God. The kingdom's totter. Listen, he utters his voice. But just, a, just an utter of God's voice. And what happens? The earth melts. It's like when dad's voice, Vanessa always speaks about it. She's like, I need your voice right now. Like the kids is like, it's chaos. And she's like, I need your voice right now. I'm like, it's no different. We're the same. We're one. You said they should do it. She's like, no, it's not different. You need a dad voice right now. When God speaks, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then we see Selah, again, this holy pause. See, there's this, these moments as we're, as we're in our praise, and there's these moments as, as these prophetic words were being pinned, that there was a time for us to, to sit and rest in what's being said. It's almost like the, the, we're given instructions on how to read the, the holy word of God. But if you think about it, even as songs, as, as, as we, we, we sometimes try to do this in, in, in worship here, as, as we're singing the songs that have been written, there's notes and there's chords and there's, and, and there's, and there's verses and there's melodies and there's, there's bridges. And then there's these pause moments where we're able to sit in the praises and bask in the words that we're offering up to God and it's in those times I don't know about you that we start to get most uncomfortable it's in those times it's in those holy pauses where, where, where we're not we don't have a script to follow any longer that we start getting uncomfortable with our connection with God so there's a salah so we see, and if you can look at it, I mean, even the way it's broken up, there's these sections that are broken up, and there, there's these, these pause moments that the psalmist has put into this psalm that is being offered. And then we get into verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. Look at how powerful God is. <laughs> And God can wipe out anything. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear and he burns the chariots of fire. And just as it feels like the psalmist is building up towards something, he's building up towards this mighty power, authoritative God. The Lord breaks in. So up until verse 9, the psalmist is writing. The psalmist is, 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 is 
causing us to look towards this omnipotent God. He's causing us to look. And in our context, listen, look at King Jesus. Look at his power. Look at his might. Look at who he is. Can we just bask in that? And then listen, after verse 9, the Lord speaks. And here's what God says in verse 10. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And this is like this interruption. I mean, just think about this. I mean, this has happened in some of our services where we, we feel like, like we're, we're building towards something. You know, the worship team has picked a set. You know, the preachers, you know, has verses. And then somehow God wants to interrupt And even in our, in our corporate settings, we might not like that a lot because like normally it's supposed to be three songs, uh, you know, a, 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 a 35, 40 minute preach and then we're out of here. But sometimes God wants to interrupt. And it's not just in our corporate meetings, friends. It's sometimes it's, it's in our lives. We'll get there. Be still. And know that I am God. So for nine verses, these praises are being offered up. For nine verses, this adoration and these declarations about who God is is being offered. And then in verse 10, the prophetic voice of God comes in. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then verse 11 the psalmist gets the pen back. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. It's almost like God said, let me, let me give you your holy pause. Let me be the one who gives you your holy pause. And here it is. Be still and know. Another version would say, stop your fight and know. Now, I, I, as I was trying to in, understand the interpretation, I'm reading, trying to read in the Hebrew and understand what these words are meaning and, and stop your fighting and know, like, was, was the psalmist fighting? What was the psalmist striving for in those first nine verses? Was he striving for something? Was he trying to stir up something maybe in his own might or maybe in his, in his own wisdom or maybe in just his, his creativity? He was trying to stir up something as, as, as he was feeling inspired by the Holy Spirit to pin these words and somehow God still interrupts. Stop your fight and know. But this word know, it's complex in the Hebrew. It's, a, it's, it's an intellectual knowledge, but, but the understanding is so much deeper because it's intimate knowledge. To be still and know, it's not only knowing the other, it's also allowing yourself to be known. Be still and no, the word in the Hebrews is yada. It's be still and allow yourself to be known as you know me. As this psalmist is prophesying and declaring and praising, the Lord interrupts. And I ask, why? Why the interruption? Felt like he was building up to something powerful. I felt like that, that knockout blow was going to happen. Was the psalmist using the wrong words? Or was the psalmist using the right words? You know, because sometimes in our praise and sometimes in our declaration, breakthrough comes. Can you say amen to that? And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but sometimes like, it's, it's just us in this place of praise and worship and in this, in this place that we're, we're just giving ourselves to the declaration and the thanksgiving of God. God speaks. But sometimes it is just a holy interruption. 
And, I, and I'm leaning towards that in this, in this passage because God is saying, be still. And no. And then in his revelation, the psalmist writes, oh, God's with us. God's here. He's here. Either way, God breaks in in this psalm. And this is what I think it prophetically it looks like for, for us two ways we find breakthrough. One is in praise. If you're taking down notes, if you're looking through for breakthrough, if you're looking to have God break in, one is in praise. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And this is for many reasons why we lead with, 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 with praise and worship. It's, that's not the only formula. Honestly, we could start to preach first. And some of you would probably like that, but it would look really funny for those of you who come after the worship and only for the preach. Because if we preach first, then you would probably leave right after the preach and that would look weird. That was a joke. But, but God inhabits the praises of his people. And so what we start with is what we want to start with is with the presence of God. And as we enter the presence of God, there are things in our hearts and our minds and our bodies, our, our entire being that begins to settle that allows us to receive that which God has for, for us from his word. So this is part of the reason why we have this pattern. It's not the only pattern. I keep threatening to do it backwards, and I'm going too soon. You watch. It's going to happen. You're going to come in, and we're going to be, we're going to be in the middle of a preach, and then we're going to worship, and you're going to love it. But the second way is in prayer that we see breakthrough. And we saw this in our spiritual warfare uh, um, series when, when Daniel was in prayer, his intercession, his praise and prayer, that we see breakthrough, that God comes in. It's in these two areas, right? Uh, um, but... We, we're such a chaotic creation. Are we not? I mean, it, I mean, just think, I mean, even being, being here in, in this Los Angeles metroplex, and I know we're, we're all over this kind of county and city, but we are in a chaotic place, which creates a chaotic life. And then you add on top of that all of our chaotic attitudes and our chaotic families and our relationships and everything else that you can just, just put into that chaos bowl. We are such a chaos creation. So how do we be still and know God in that? That's not rhetorical. I mean, it's rhetorical, and I don't want you to answer out loud now, but I want you to answer this for yourself now. How are you being still and knowing God in the chaos that might be surrounding you? Somehow we've even allowed the, the fast anxiety-filled pace of life to distract us from our, our, our true worship of God. So it's not just in the, in the life, it's even, it's even the things that's expected of us. I mean, just think about being still and know. How, how, do, we, how do we exercise those things in our life? It's those things, it's prayer, it's, it's praise. It's, how, how do we exercise those things in our life with chaos going around us? Do we, are we making room for that? Are we making room for praise and for prayer, not just on Sundays, not just on days that you have to do it because, you know, that's your, that's the expected religious activity for Christians, but we're even allowing it to interrupt the times that we're supposed to be doing it. I mean, I, I read this statistic from, uh, it's called Statista.com. It was a 2021 survey about churchgoers and, and 22% of, of Christians say that they go to church every week. 22% of Christians. 9% said they go the majority of the week. Nineteen, No, 11% said that they go sometimes. 33% of Christians say they don't go to church at all. If we're not even giving God the things that we're supposed to be giving him, 
how is it that we're supposed to experience God in the everyday? In, 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 the, in the intimate times with the Lord that I, I think we need to be experienced more. If these distractions, these, these anxieties, these disruptions, it's what makes it hard for us to pray. And when it's hard to pray, eventually that'll lead to a non-existent prayer life. It's what makes it hard for us to meditate on Scripture. And if we are not meditating on Scripture, it's what actually causes us to devalue the very Word of God. It's what makes it hard for us to worship God, which makes it hard for us to prioritize gathering together with the church in corporate worship. That's how we get those kind of statistics. We've allowed the disruptions. We've allowed all of the activity that is thrown at us. We allow this, this, this chaos to interrupt the stillness and the knowing. So our, our, our rituals and our practices sometimes become simply that, friends. Rituals and practices. And I know you're saying, well, we're Christian. We don't have rituals and practices. And I say, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. If Jesus is only getting, you know, the Our Father right before we go to bed, that's a ritual and a practice. If Jesus is only getting 30 seconds prayer over, right before the meal, that's a ritual and a practice. If Jesus is only getting an hour and a half on a Sunday, if you show up, that's a ritual and a practice. And a ritual and a practice is just that. If there isn't intimacy woven in to the very thing that you're doing. Listen, a ritual is a series of actions or type of behavior regularly and invariably followed by someone. Even if it's irregular, you might be regular in your irregularity. Is it still worship? If going to church on a Sunday morning is still an option, if you wake up in bed and be like, oh, should I go to church today? Oh. Is it still worship? I remember one of the things when I got out of the Marine Corps, the, 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 th the thing that I longed for, I'm telling you, I longed for this, was to be able to call in sick. Like, I, I remember the first time I did it, I was like, I was beside myself. I got to call in sick. It was, it was the wildest thing, right? Because in the breeze, you don't get to call in sick. Oh, you're sick? You go, to, you go to medical at the end of your shift, and if they deem you sick, um, sick then you need to take, it was a, it was a chit. It was, it was a, that was a, they were called chits. You had to take this slip to somebody to let them know that you were sick. And if they didn't deem you sick, you, you were going to work. And so you never got out of work. I couldn't wait to call out. And friends, I'm telling you, I, I think that, that that's a bit of the, the Christian life today. I can't wait to call out from my spiritual activity. I can't wait to call out from, from, from the religious rituals that I, I perform. I can't wait to call out. Do you call out from anything else? Does anything else get put on hold? Does anything else get, does, does, your connection with Jesus gets put on hold. Your connection with God gets put on hold. Those things get cast aside. Does anything else get put up for offering when it comes to calling out? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Shh. Be still. And know. Thank you, Lord, for this meal. Thank you for your... Shh. Be still. God never intended us to have to work ourselves into his presence. This is why the psalmist wrote, be still or, or stop fighting. You don't have to wrestle into God's presence. Be still. 
Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. I, I, I reference this so many times, and you guys will know this probably by heart now. Adam and Eve have just fallen into sin. They've eaten of the apple, of the tree of knowledge. They're in the garden, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They did what? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And I'm telling you, friends, I still think we do this today. We hide ourselves from the presence of the Lord. For Adam and Eve, it was, it was, it was, Eve, it was because of their sin. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I think we all know that in, in, in the passage of this context that they had disobeyed God and now we're hiding from him. But I want us to notice a couple significant things in this passage. God was walking in the cool of the day, which means he was making himself available to Adam and Eve. Listen, friends, even after they sinned, God knew what they, what they did. And God knew where they were. He wasn't asking them, where are you? Like he didn't know. He was asking them, where are you? He wasn't hiding himself because they sinned. He wasn't saying, oh, you've sinned out of my presence. God was still showing up. God was still there. God was still making himself available. This is the original intent for God. Listen, for us to know him and to be known by him. And so that leads it to part number two of the significance of this passage is Adam and Eve hid themselves. Listen, because they were naked. The most vulnerable condition we could ever be in is naked. I know for some of you youngsters in here, this is going to get a little awkward for you. But to be naked, exposed and seen for what we truly are. Is there anything more vulnerable? Is there anything more vulnerable? I mean, just think uh, for, for us husbands and wives, for the first time we joined ourselves together, we had to strip down and be seen for who we truly are. Is there anything more embarrassing if there's anything more like, you know, in, your insecurities rise up, everything that comes out of that because you're making yourself exposed. This is who I am. Unrobed, unclothed, nothing covering up anything. This is who I am. Listen, friends, yet it's nakedness. It's nakedness that is required for true intimacy. And this is God breaking into this psalm as this psalmist is writing the grandeurs of God. And God is saying, shh, be still. Let me know you. So that you can know me. And I'm telling you, friends, we, we cover ourselves in religious robes. We cover ourselves up in religious activity. We come to church and we do things like worship God and we, we, we play instruments and we teach uh, uh, you know, Sunday schools and we, we, we do all these things for, and we cover ourselves up with all this religious activity and God is saying, shh, be still. And know that I am God. God is inviting us into this type of place. He's inviting you and I into this type of place. A place to know him. A place to be known by him. A place that we can just be still. Can you deal with that? I mean, honestly, can you deal with that? I mean, sometimes when, 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 when Vanessa and I are laying in bed and we're just looking at each other's face, I mean, there's, there's like intimacy. And then, and then, you know, there's, there's like, you know, 
our, our love for each other and, and there's a recognition. And then at some point, it begins to get awkward. What? You what? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And there's this awkwardness as we just be still and take each other in. It's just awkwardness. It's just like we can't handle it. But this is what God is asking us to, to dive into. Because we could do all the activity and we can do all, all, all the things that we, we think are getting God's attention that, that get, get, gets him to be pleased with us. We can do the things that get noticed. But God's asking for something else. Luke chapter 10. Verse 38 says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's Feet, listening to his teaching. She sat at the Lord's feet. But Martha was distracted. Can you say distracted? And she was distracted with much serving. I need you to hear this, church. She was distracted by much serving. And she went up to Jesus and she said this, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I can't tell you how many pastors feel like this. And I'm not saying this to, to self-gratify myself, but you don't care that I'm doing this by myself. You don't care that I'm doing this alone, Jesus. You're watching me. I mean, you brought your 12 friends with you. And my sister's sitting at your feet while I'm doing all the work. I said, she commands Jesus. Tell her then to help me. Order her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha. Martha. Listen to this. You are anxious and troubled about many things. It's not just this. All oh, the Lord sees into her heart. You're anxious about many things. And you're not just anxious right now, Martha, because you're having to serve while your sister doesn't. This is coming from somewhere else. There's so much going on behind the scenes. Martha, you're anxious about many things. But one thing is necessary. Listen to this. Mary has chosen the good portion. She's, another version would say, Mary has chosen the better thing, which will not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen to be still and to know God and at his feet allow herself to be known. Martha, you're anxious about anything. Martha, repre Martha represents connection to God through works. And religious activity. If I can show Jesus how well I serve him, he will notice me. If I can be the best host and prepare the best meal, Jesus will be pleased. Mary, Mary chose the better portion, right? Um, and, and Jesus said it will not be taken for her. Mary represents a connection with God through relationship and intimacy. If I can just sit at his feet. If I could just hear his voice, if I could just simply be in his presence. Now, listen, friends, both are necessary. Jesus didn't rebuke her for her work. In this kingdom, we're called to serve. But Jesus puts a prioritization, its presence before works. It's his presence. Mary chose the better thing. And I'm telling you, as, as a husband, as a father of six, as, as, as a pastor, as a Marine, as a, a, an eight in the Enneagram, this messes with me. This messes with me. How I'm built, this messes with me because, listen, friends, I want to get stuff done for Jesus. 
There are people who are dying and going to hell. And if, if, if I can do anything to equip God's church to, to, to get out there and to win the loss, if I can give my, my dying last breath, my, if I can, whatever it takes, I want to do it. So this messes with me. Because there's work to be done. But that work can't get accomplished if there's no fuel. And I can speak about the grandiose things of God. I can think about, I, 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 can, I, can, I can preach, I can declare, I can win souls. One of the scariest portions of scripture that we read is when we see God face to face. And there's going to be people who actually go before God and say, God, I cast out demons in your name. And I preach the gospel in your name. And God says this. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because, listen, friends, I never knew you. And it's not like he didn't have knowledge of you. It's not like he didn't create you in his image and didn't know you by name. He didn't know you. The yada connection of allowing yourself to be naked before God and allowing yourself to rest at his feet. There is no knowing between you. The stillness that is required to be known wasn't made available to God. Mary chose the better thing. Though brief in this psalm. So brief. It could just be a little, little, like two verse skip over moment. Why was God breaking in to this declaration of his goodness? Declaration of his might. Declaration of his power. Why was he breaking in to say, be still and know? There's a holy disruption that we can't just pass over. And I think it's the same in our lives. There's, there's, there's holy disruptions that God, that God allows in your life, these disruption moments that take place. And sometimes we just are so uncomfortable with them. We want to get out of those moments as quick as possible. And yet God is telling us to be still and know. And he's not just asking, friends. He's demanding, be still. That's not, not can, can, would you mind being still, please? Like, I don't know, have you ever been in like a, a doctor's office and then like there's kids who really need to be still? And, 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 and uh, if, if you're this type of parent, please don't be offended. I'm just Hispanic and it doesn't work this way for us. So it's, it's it, like, there's parents who are like, sweetie, honey, please don't do that. Oh, please, please get off the nurse's computer, baby. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Like, you're, you're just like, be still, kid. <laughs> like, Someone snatched that. It's like, it feels like that to me. Be still. There's like this thing that, that maybe that's just the way I, I need to be still with God. This be still, it, it's, it's a verb. It, the, the, the harpa, it's just the, the word in Hebrew. Listen, this is what it means. The, the, the literal translation. To sink. To relax. To sink down. To let drop abandonment and to be quiet. Think about that. Can you guys just close your eyes for a moment? Have you ever allowed yourself just to sink into God's presence? I mean, you're in this. I mean, I want you to visualize this. I mean, some of the scariest times I've ever experienced in the ocean was in Hawaii because you could see everything below you. And if you're in, you, you can be out, I mean, you can be out there meters and meters out there just in this vast ocean. And can you imagine to stop paddling? Stop. Be still. The fear that comes over you. The uncomfortableness that comes over you. And I think this is why it's hard for us, because this is what God is asking us. It's an ocean of love that I'm asking you. An ocean of grace, an ocean of my presence that I'm just asking you to just sink down into. Stop paddling. 
Another version would say, stop striving. Just let yourself sink. You're going to be okay. Let yourself sink. Right? You can open your eyes if you want to. One commenter wrote, he wrote this. This word is used in the New Testament. In the New Testament, this word is used as leisure time. How many of you have gone on vacation and you just always go back to that and make, oh, Lord, take me back to Hawaii. Vanessa and I do this. And we had this really short vacation together in Hawaii. It's one of the, the, the ones that Vanessa said, that's the only vacation we've ever had on the planet. But we'll, we'll like, you know, be in these like chaotic moments. And then we'll, I was just like, babe, you remember Hawaii? She's like, oh, yeah. Like, take me back to Hawaii. It's in the New Testament, it's used as leisure time. Listen to this, though. In which there is freedom to be wholly devoted to something. So it's freedom from the chaos so that you can be wholly devoted to him. If you were given all the time in the world, because we don't have enough of that, right? Would you give it to God? Would you, would you, would you give that time to God? I mean, you think about, you know, obviously none of you won that billion dollar lottery um, that was going on because we're here. But I hope you would still have been here if you did. But you know what happens to most of those people who win that? Their whole life changes. Because winning that kind of money makes you what you truly are. And if you are greedy or if you are whatever else, you end up chasing after those things. And, and the statistics, even on those people who win the lottery, that the, the high percentage that most of them end up bankrupt. So I, I think about this when it comes to this presence of God. Like if you were given all the time, if you were given all the leisurely time, would you give it back to God? Would I give it back to God? And then there's this verb, yada, to know. To know by experience, to be acquainted with, listen to this, to be made known, to become known. But listen, to be revealed, and then here's the other part, to reveal oneself. To reveal oneself. And to know intimately. Jesus said this in John 15, 4, abide in me as I abide in you. Abide in me as I abide in you, which is, he's already saying, I've already chose to dwell in you. I've already chosen to dwell in you. And this goes back to what Steve was uh, uh, talking to us about last week. Would you choose me as your refuge? Will you choose me as your quiet place? Will you choose me to abide into? Because I've already chosen to abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by, its one, uh, um, by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There is oneness that comes with the knowing. There is oneness with Jesus that comes with, with the knowing. And this is why he's asking us to be still. So that you can know. So that we can experience this oneness. And this oneness is what actually produces the fruitfulness. And so if we're looking at our lives and we're saying, man, I'm, I'm just I'm not bearing fruit. And there's no fruit in my life. And God is asking us to go back to the source. Is there oneness? Because in the oneness, there's fruit. But what's clear is that Jesus prefers your worship over your work. And it's also clear that his presence isn't contingent on your perfection. And it's not contingent on your performance. It's made available to you. He's asking you to be still not to do still, 
be still. Have you ever seen a kid try to do still? Right? Have you ever had kids try to close their eyes? If, you do, if you've ever done children's ministry, have kids close their eyes. I mean, they could do it for probably three seconds. Right? And it did, I mean, some, some, some of them are, are a little elite. They can do a little bit more. But, I mean, when they, I mean for three seconds, and I'm telling you, you just keep your eyes. You'll see they're, they're, they start. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't take much longer. Right? Because they're trying to do still. They don't know how to do it. God's not asking you to do it. I want you to be still. Allow yourself to sink. Allow yourself to sink in. What I love about the Advent season, the Christmas season, is it causes us to look at Emmanuel, God with us, in this intimate way, this, 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 this virgin birth that produces this, this vulnerable baby that was a gift to mankind who would live a modest, under-the-radar life for 30 years and then for three and a half years pour himself out as a drink offering for mankind. He just poured himself out. He allowed himself to be known. And the ultimate act of allowing himself to be known was naked on a cross. This was a level of vulnerability God, God was willing to give to mankind. This was the level of exposure to allow himself to be known so that you can know the heart of God. This was the visual image. If I can put up the image from, from the passion, is it like the closest thing we can possibly get from Hollywood of what it looked like to be known? This is what Jesus was saying. This is the depth of what I'm willing to go to to have intimacy, intimacy with you. Exposure, nakedness. Why? So that you wouldn't have to. So that I wouldn't have to. This season's going to get pretty chaotic. <laughs> the mu music already started. <laughs> Black Friday already hit. Cyber Monday's tomorrow. It's going to be parties and Santas and Prophetically, can we look ahead and say, Lord, I, I just don't need this stillness for today. I need it. I need this always. Can God break in? What is Jesus asking you to be still in this season? And how is Jesus asking you to know him in this season? These are the questions I leave with you this morning. You guys wouldn't mind standing with me? If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes. God is our refuge and strength. a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. Is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter and he utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us.
the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. And he burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. And know that I am God. I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. And let this be our prayer. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Be still and know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for the commandment. I pray in this next season, each and every one of us will learn this discipline. The discipline to be in your presence. To just be, dive, sink into your presence. To know you and to allow ourselves to be known by you. Naked and revealed. Here we are, Lord. May we choose the better thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give the Lord praise? Thank you. Awesome. Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, please don't forget to check in with Brett if you haven't done any registration with our online platforms. That would be really helpful for us. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Go with God. See you soon. Bye-bye.